Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 6 as we continue learning about the sons of God and how God didn't give up on them turning back to Him, but in how not doing so, they missed out on working for God by getting involved in bad marriages. Now, as we approach Christmas time, we have so much to be thankful for. The Friendship with God radio program is thankful for your listenership, and we hope that you are enjoying this Old Testament expository preaching and teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, we cannot continue to air this Bible teaching program on this station if you don't support it. And so we would like to ask that if you would consider making a one-time or even a small monthly contribution to support Friendship with God, we'll keep Tom Cantor's tremendous Bible teaching messages airing for you to listen to and grow in your friendship with God. Now, you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can donate by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. We also want to remind you that Tom Cantor also has a bookstore with all of his writings, tracks, DVDs, and teaching. And if you'd like to order any of Tom Cantor's materials, you can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God. How would Timothy know? Well, there's some telltale signs of a seducing doctrine. There's some telltale signs of of when a false doctrine has come in. Now, here's some of the telltale signs. First of all, false doctrines typically come with a spark of all of a sudden. You know, all of a sudden it came to me. You know, all of a sudden I saw the light. Oh, why didn't I ever see it before? There's that spark of the suddenness. Second, it comes with kind of a a spice of pride. You know, I've seen this, and others haven't seen this, and I'm pretty proud of myself for seeing this, you know. See, it's got that pride, spice of pride in there. And then it comes, a, a false doctrine typically comes with this, like, dawn of change, you know, a dawn, a new day, and like a, where the new truth is like causing me to cast away certain beliefs that I embraced in the past because I have this new truth now. And the other thing that happens is that a false doctrine to be rejected usually comes with a tone of separation, a tone of separation where, where everybody's put into two categories now. And now I just, all of a sudden, I see people as they either believe this and they're on my side. Or they don't believe it. And they're the them. You know, we're the us, they're the them. See, separation is part of it. And then it comes, a new doctrine or a false truth, usually comes with an atmosphere of consumption. An atmosphere of consumption. It's all I can think about. It's just consuming me. It's become a preoccupation for me. I find myself thinking about this new truth all the time. So, as Paul was asking Timothy, not just in your personal life to go in there and do the weeding every night to make, or every morning to make sure that you don't have those areas that we spoke about, but also in the area of your doctrinal life, Timothy, take heed to thyself. If you find yourself with a new truth, with a spark of an all of a sudden I didn't see it before, or of a new truth, the spice of pride, where I'm pretty proud of myself for having seen that, with a, or a new truth that brings in a dawn of change where you find yourself throwing away 
old things that you believed, where a new truth of a tone of separation. Well, now, you know, it's, it's not just believers, but it's believers who are on my side and believe this versus the believers who are not on my side. And then the new truth that has become an atmosphere of consumption, like it's all I'm thinking about all the time. Then Paul was saying to Timothy, watch out, Timothy, take heed to the doctrine. Then Paul says to Timothy, if you do this, if you take heed to yourself and to your doctrine, he says, you will save yourself and those that hear it. Now, this is a little surprising to read that. Save yourself? (laughs) Timothy, save himself? Uh, What are you saving yourself from, Timothy? Save yourselves from becoming like the sons of God in Genesis 6. Save yourself from being disqualified by God. Save yourself from being sent home early in an untimely, premature death which is spoken about in 1 Corinthians 11, 28-32. Paul said, let a man examine himself. And he goes on to say, and he says, if there's sin, speaking about the Lord's table, but any sin, for this cause, Paul says, many, not a few, many are weak and sickly among you, and many, not a few, Paul says, many sleep. In other words, they died an untimely, premature death. He says, but if we judge ourselves, we'd be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, Genesis 6. Verse 3 tells us that when the sons of God took this new course, that life was not easy for them. Life became difficult. They just kind of wished that God would leave them alone. But that's not what verse 3 says happened. Verse 3 gives us an indication that there was a striving, now a struggling. And it was between the sons of God and the Spirit of God. And the verse tells us that God said that he was striving. Well, actually it says that he wasn't going to always strive, but he was striving with man. In other words... God did not give up those sons of God easily. It was not that easy for those sons of God to just walk away from God. It wasn't that easy for them. And and because God's Spirit fought for them, and He fought with them, which is really the same. He fought for them, and He fought with them. Because God was speaking to them in the still small voice, and he was saying to them, don't go near those women. He was saying to them the words of Proverbs 5.20, why, why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? These words, ravished, embraced, He's saying the words, he was saying the words of Proverbs 7.27. He was advising his sons. These were sons of God. And he was saying to them in Proverbs 7.27, Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. It may seem like fun and enjoyment, but there's a course that you're on. And that course has a destination. And you continue down that course, and you will arrive at the destination. The course is called the way to hell. The destination is called the chambers of death. And then he said in Proverbs 7.25, Let not thine heart 
decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. In other words, just like with Timothy, going out every night, check the weeds. And when you see the first warning signs, those two words, let not, are very important. Pull the weed. In other words, don't go, don't let your heart decline to her ways. And so what do you mean my heart? All I see is my eyes and I'm admiring her beauty and I want to see her beauty always in my eyes. And God says, oh, no, no, no. He says, you think it's all about your eyes? It's all about your heart. And your heart is declining to her ways. And you're going astray in her paths. She's going to take you away. Proverbs 6.25 says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Lust not. That's the same thing as the weeding. Detect and stop. You think you are taking her. That's the word, lekach. You took, in the Hebrew word. It says, they took. Lekach, he says. That's the same word that's used in Proverbs 6.25. It says, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. You think you're taken? You're being taken. That's what the truth is there. For by means, Proverbs 6.26, for by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought, or I like to think of the word reduced, to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. So God was saying to his sons of God, you're being hunted. You're being hunted. And Proverbs 7.22-24 says that he goeth after her straightway. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. That's what we're talking about here. Life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, you children, and attend to the words of my mouth. These are the words of a loving father, to his children. He's sitting them down in this part here of Proverbs 6, 24. And he's saying, hearken unto me therefore now, O you children. I love you, he's saying. He says, I know when you see this beautiful woman, there will be an invigorating energy to it all. He says, he goeth after her straightway. I don't need any advice from anybody. I don't need it from God or anybody. That's an invigorating energy. He goeth after her straightway. And the only time he realizes that his life was on the line and his life was being hunted when it was, when it was too late. After the dart went through his liver, then he realized he knew not that it was for his life. Your life, your life with God. This is what God is saying to the sons of God in Genesis 6 and here in Proverbs. He's saying, your life, your life with God, it's too high a price to pay. It just is not worth it. And God was striving with his sons in Genesis 6 to stay away from those women because they were, in Genesis 6, going after them straightway. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, 
CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year Award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel, and we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they too might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts and messages that we offer for free. You can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. God saw the darts that were going to go through their liver. God knew that his sons, his sons of God, didn't know it was for their lives that they were being hunted until it was too late. And God was calling to the sons of God as he was saying to them, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. But those sons of God wouldn't hearken. And those sons of God would not listen. They wouldn't hear God because they saw, they chose, they took. And those women were going to be their wives. And they, from their point of view, it was Hebrews 11.25. I'd rather enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And they didn't care if disaster was around the corner. They wanted to enjoy for the short time. And they made their, their mind up. They were tired of hearing God. They were tired of striving with God as God was getting tired of striving with them. And they did what is referred to in 1 Timothy 4.2. They seared their conscience with a hot iron. So they didn't have to listen anymore. What a tragedy. Because through marriage, God watched the spiritual corruption of his children, of the sons of God, and the seed on earth. And it was a great, 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 great loss. It was also a loss for the sons of God. Their lives were wasted. Because, you know, there's a wonderful thing. And and I'm going back now to this phrase, the face of the earth. You know, the earth is the Lord's. 1 Corinthians 10.26 And the fullness thereof. That's God's earth that we've been put on, that we are on, that all men are on. That's God's earth. And, you know, the wonderful thing about God is that he created this earth and he put man on it, and he made him in the image of God, which means that he made him with the ability to create, to come up with, to invent, to devise. And, and then he, he gave man this latitude to go invent, go devise, go make. And then there's several places in the, in the Bible where God... He's like, interested. Well, what's man going to come up with? What's man going to devise? What's he going to invent? And, for example, in Genesis 2.19, when he made all the animals, he said, well, now I'm going to let man devise, create, invent, come up with on his own names. We already talked about that. Genesis 2.19. But it says in there that he brought them to Adam, the animals, and then there's this phrase. He brought them to Adam and says, because God wanted to see what he would call them. God was really interested in Adam's names. What are you going to call this one, Adam? And um, that shows us something about God. It shows us of what the relationship really is all about between God and man. God has created this world for us, put us there, given us the principles, and said, now make your own decisions. 
Make your own choices. And I'm interested in your decisions. I'm interested in your choices. Even when it came to the Tower of Babel, which was a wrong decision, it says in Genesis 11, 5, which we'll come to, it says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. See? So God's very interested in what man does on his earth. And he gives to man a certain creativity. And he wants to partner with man. You know, it's interesting, when on the building of the temple, the first temple, Solomon's temple, I mean, this was going to be, the, I mean, this is King Solomon building the temple for God. And it talks about it in 1 Kings 9, 2 through 3. It says, the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared into him Gibeon. 1 Kings 9, 2 through 3, through verse, first, first Kings 9, 3 says, And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. This is Solomon praying to God. And God said to Solomon, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made. And that prayer was obviously a prayer of dedication of the temple to God. And then God said, I have hallowed this house. And he put this phrase in there. He says, which thou hast built. I have hallowed this house, which thou hast built. First Kings 9, 3. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. Mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. You know what's interesting about that? When God told Moses to make the tabernacle, there was like no deviation, Moses. Two times he says, don't you deviate, Moses, from you. You build it exactly the way that you saw it on the mount. And Moses did. But he didn't do that with Solomon. As a matter of fact, God did not tell Solomon exactly how the temple was to be made. Now, there were many patterns and parts that followed the tabernacle, but there was some of uh, Solomon's creativity interjected in there. There was a big C. That wasn't in the tabernacle and, and so forth. And, and so when it came time for Solomon to make the temple, Solomon made his own design, not totally deviating, but there were, there were definitely parts of Solomon in there. Many parts that were patterned after the top tabernacle, but plenty of parts where Solomon made decisions. So therefore, when God came to Solomon to dedicate it, he said, I have hallowed this house which thou hast built. This is your work, Solomon. I understand that. And I have hallowed it, and I've decided to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Isn't that a wonderful picture of God working together with Solomon and the relationship that it teaches us about how God wants to get work together with us? He's interested in what we'll do for him. He's interested in the creative new ideas, even if it's the gospel blimp. You throw gospels out of the window or something with a big blimp. God's interested. He says muzzletoe, you know. But uh, that's what happened there. Now, that was God's choice to hallow the house and to put his name there forever. And he didn't have to do that. But he did it because that's his nature. He encourages us. You know, it's like a father. You see some things that are done, and what does the father say? Good job. Good job. You may look at it and say, I don't think it's a good job. But that's not, you're not the father. And the father's always going to see the good job. You're doing great, you know. And that's who God is. God created man in his image. He created him of the free will, not just to choose if or not he's going to respond to God's gospel call, but after he's saved, to have the free will to build and create for him. And we decide to go out and reach the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ, God, and we come up with creative ways. God's very interested. Very interested. And he wants to say, I've, uh, I've hallowed the house that you built. 
But with the corruption of the seed of the sons of God in Genesis 6, there was going to be no more creating of good and righteousness on the earth. And with this corruption came through wrong marriages. Wrong marriages. This was a great danger. And from this example in Genesis 6, many saints of God took notice of this. They took strong notice of this. And one of them was Abraham. It was the great fear of Abraham in his life. Turn, if you would, to Genesis 24, 1 through 4, and this will be our last thing we look at. Genesis 24, 1 through 4. Great fear of Abraham for Isaac. Now, it starts off Genesis 24, 1, and it explains to us that Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, Jehovah, the God, Elohim, of heaven, the God, Elohim, of the earth. And thou shalt, take, thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go into my country, my kindred, and take a wife from my son. So in these verses, we see in Abraham, in verse 1, that he is old and just beat. He's beaten down by age. There's no more fight left in Abraham. He's an old man. And it's time for Abraham to take it easy. He's tired. He's weary. He needs to rest and be cared for. And all the battles of life have been fought for. All the enemies have been conquered. All the provisions have been collected. And he's just done. And he just would, he's old and well stricken, beaten down in age. And we see in Abraham in verse 1, who has been blessed in all things. Not just in some things, but in all things. So here's an Abraham that has everything he could possibly need. He's ready to coast comfortably out of this earth into God's bosom. And there's no need for Abraham to sweat anything. He, every need's been taken care of. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. But we see in Abraham calling his eldest servant Eliezer, who ruled over all he had. And we see an Abraham who calls for the man who has all the authority and is greatly important to Abraham. And as old as he is and as well off as he is, we see an Abraham who's very concerned right now. And he calls for this trusted man to do something. And he, we see Eliezer coming in and he says, put thy hand under my thigh. The thigh was symbolic of the seed of Abraham, which was so important. And Eliezer knew it about the importance of the seed. And it's as if Abraham said, Eliezer, I told you how my life is all about the seed of God. Eliezer, you know all the drama about my seed in my life. You know how I erred by not giving God time. And I threatened with Ishmael, the seed of God. And Eliezer, now with your hand under my thigh, I'm asking you for the sake of my, the preservation of my seed, the seed of God, and we see Abraham drawing Eliezer in and asking him to swear by the personal name of God, Jehovah, and by the Trinity name of God, Elohim, the Trinity name of God of heaven, the Trinity name of the God of the earth, utmost important. And he says, don't, don't take a wife of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. He'd watched those daughters. Abraham had watched those women. And he knew that if his son Isaac got one of them, it would be bye-bye Isaac that he would be taken down. And so he's, he, he's, and Abraham had seen that. He knew that the corruption. So with every bit of strength that he musters here in his old age, before he dies, he says, I can't do it, but I'm entrusting you to do it. Isaac was 40 years old. And you might think Isaac could, would have said, I can pick a wife for myself. I'm 40 years old. 
But Abraham wanted God's choice for Isaac, and he was worried that he would be induced and enticed by the daughters of the Canaanite. So he sends him back to his country, and, he, and it had been a long time since Abraham had been back there. And Abraham, undoubtedly, being a son of God, had reached back out to the Canaanites, but also especially to his own kindred. And they had heard about the goodness of God. They knew about the knowledge of God. And so he sent them back there to do it. Well, that's where we're going to finish off this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being for us the God who guides, the God who loves, the God who teaches and instructs, and the God who guides. Help us, Lord, to be called the instructed ones, the taught ones, and the guided ones. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another fantastic message from Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program as we've studied the scriptures of Genesis chapter 22 with Abraham and Isaac. We want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program by going online to friendshipwithgod.org to donate one time or calling us at 800-247-3051. We can set you up for a one-time donation or a monthly reoccurring donation, which helps us to continue airing on this station in this city. Again, 800 800- 247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can call us right now, or you can mail in your donation or even an encouraging note or letter to Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, by writing to Friendship with God. That's P.O. Box 711-330. That's Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. And again, that's Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Or again, call us at 800-247-3051. And we'd like to encourage you to go online to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that'll come to your phone or to your email you can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor, Friendship with God. And you can also find Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook. You can receive your daily devotional verse through Facebook, Friendship with God, Tom Cantor, or Israel Restoration Ministries, all on Facebook. Or for more information, again, call us at 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at this same time.